Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. All right, as we limp through yet another middle aged warriors, somewhere in the low 90s, uh, <laughs> we are at episode numbers. We're not even exactly sure. I don't like to count above 60 these days. <laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable. I know, really. But we've got a good guest today. I'm excited about that. And just want to say hello. I disappeared for a little while between yeah. traveling and and work, but uh, I'm back in the saddle and uh, my saddle saw sores have healed, which is always good. But um, yeah, we have a really great guest today. And this actually kind of been, I met through a crossover from my new gig, but crosses over to a job that you actually had a chance to dabble in, and that is as PA announcer at, and back in the day, it was Shea Stadium for the Mets, yeah. uh, right now with City Field. And that's what our guest does. He shares uh, some of the games with uh, the co-host of the show that I'm, I'm working on now in WPIX in New York. And just an interesting guy. I'm not going to give it away in terms of he's got a little DNA in him. Here, uh, here's, my, here's the hint. Hello again, everyone. Uh, speaking of sports, well, we're going to leave it. <laughs> we're going to leave it at that. But uh, it's a great interview. I think you're going to like it. Lots of ground to cover, and we will have that coming up. But first, a word from our all-important sponsor. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-B-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let's get to our special guest today, and it is the male voice of God at City Field for all of the, <laughs> the, the male games, of course. Of I'll call it, well, because it's a male-female thing, we'll get to that in a little second, uh, but... Colin Cosell, welcome to Middle Age Warriors, even though you're yeah, on the really. cusp. I'm, I'm officially a Middle Age Warrior now. I couldn't be prouder to share that new <laughs> moniker with the two of you. So, Chris and Rick, thanks for having me on. You'll probably have more aches and pains after doing this interview. Oh, I don't remember my back hurting like that. Before. Yeah, what, <laughs> it, it's just it the weirdest thing. I'll reach for a glass of water and suddenly my shoulder's out for two weeks. Yeah, it's, a <laughs> it's a condition. It's a condition. But I want to say, first of all, I just met you for the first time, I guess, last week. Your partner in the public address announcing booth, if you will, is Marisol Castro, who happens to be my co-host on a new show in New York on our WPIX. It's called New York Living. And you were a guest on the show. I guess it was during the sub, the first Subway series with the Yanks, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, a lot of fun coming on there and uh, kind of kind of fun to put uh, Marisol in the uh, in the in the throes <laughs> of being stuck between her TV uh, cohort and her PA booth cohort. A little different. So, well what was it like auditioning uh, at City Field, getting the job? Because it's just, it's mind-blowing to hear your voice 
come out of those speakers. <laughs> it's still mind blowing to me to hear it. Um, and driving past the ballpark in the middle of winter and being like, my voice fills that ballpark. It's yeah. just, yes, you know, because there are 30 major league ballparks in the world. There are 31 uh, major league PA announcers in the world, and I'm one of them. And that makes me an absolute microcosm in the grand scheme of things. There comes a point in your life, and I was 38 at the time, where you've been on enough auditions and you've sent in enough demos and you've gotten enough close calls that you just kind of become immune to it. And you you get this, you know, this really thick alligator skin to being told no. Uh, so you could just kind of anticipate it at this point. So there was um, a lot of silence. And then I'd suddenly get an email saying, hey, you've made it to the next round. Uh, could, could you record this thing for us? Sure. Happy to still be on board. Uh, this continued for a full month until they finally uh -huh. narrowed it down to seven people, uh, myself, Matasal, and five others who I do not know. And they had us come in while the Mets were on the road and do a live audition in the ballpark uh, with Mets brass and production staff uh, scattered about. Apparently, we were all numbers. Uh, I was number three. I believe Matasal was number five. They were asked to write down who their favorites were numerically. Uh -huh. uh, there were no names attached, so it was completely a blind audition. Uh, it was all by voice. So I left the ballpark that day, did my read, didn't see any other human beings, uh, auditioned with a great uh, Tim Gunkel by my side, who is now uh, my friend and coworker. And then on May 15th, uh, got, got the call saying, hey, we've narrowed it down to two people and we're going to go with those two people. You and Matasal got the job, wow. uh, three and five for the win. Wow. So you're saying up until that point of, the, of that audition at the park, all of the other things, you were just recording something at home for them? Is that how that, that was part of the process? Yeah, 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 on uh, just an Audio Technica really? 2020 USB mic, and wow. um, the first the first demo I recorded for them at the time I was managing an Italian restaurant in Rigo Park, and uh, <laughs> and so I took a lunch break. I had my boss cover me. I said, "Listen, I want to record this demo. It's to be the Mets PA announcer." He's like, "Go into my office. It'll be nice and quiet." Liar. Because there was a party of 20 rambunctious oh. Italians coming oh. down those stairs to go into the private party you know room. How quiet and they are. <laughs> and it was beyond the, the herd of elephants going down uh. the stairs, which, by the way, the stairs are adjacent to his office. He did not tell me that. Uh, I just sat there like it was it was like boxing. It was just kind of stick and move, stick and move. Each time there was a bit of silence, record the next bit <laughs> of the demo and pray for the best. And I, oh, I recorded it. I finished it. I sent it off. And I was like. I'm so sorry. This is garbage. It's the best I could do. Pray wow. for me. One thing, by the way, real quick, I don't know if you know, but Rick spent a little time, I guess it was at Chase Stadium, obviously, before City Field. Yeah. So we've got two yeah. PA announcers for the Mets here on this same show. I'm very honored. I got to do like 13 games in 2000. That was the year they went to the series against yeah. the Yankees. Wow. And uh, and I was like 11 and one. And uh, <laughs> I, I always fault the the Mets for not bringing me back because I <laughs> would have won record. the Subway Series. <laughs> yeah, I had a good record with them. But I wanted to ask you when you were a kid, Colin, for me, this was like the the dream gig of a lifetime to be a, a PA announcer at Chase Stadium. I want to ask you when you were a kid playing wiffle ball in your backyard, did you think about being the PA guy? you know, now batting and who was it, it was always batting. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. Like I, I always was enamored with talking into microphones. So, you know, mimicking broadcasts, like I would have games on mute and be doing my own play by play, but I always, 
I, I go through life with a, a real serious streak of levity in everything I do. So it was always kind of like a comedic uh, kind of tweak to it. I, you know, I, I never knew that PA announcing was what I wanted to do, but it was an outlet for me, uh, for my affinity for, you know, speaking to microphones and being in front of an, uh, a crowd. So when I was in college, when I was a freshman in college, my high school alma mater asked me if I would come back for homecoming and do the PA for the mm. homecoming football game. And that was my first taste of PA announcing. However, I was a little too young, a little too green for it. And uh, I was too much of a, a wise ass to be perfectly mm -hmm. uh, blunt. <laughs> so the refs kept throwing flags. On, I mean, they were throwing flags on everything. And I started ripping on them for it. Uh, you know, and I was just like, oh, believe it or not, folks, there's another flag. Let's see what the penalty is this time. Well, during halftime, the refs did not appreciate that at all and gave our school a warning that if I continued to mimic and mock and do all that uh, over the uh, PA, they were going to start penalizing our team. Uh, <laughs> so um, that was my crash course in PA announcing. But I, I loved it then. And I um, was not invited back the next year. But for some years thereafter, once I had grown up a bit, really got a taste for it and uh, and really enjoyed it. So it, it was one of those dream jobs I never knew I wanted. But right. uh, but now it's I mean, it's everything and I get to do it year round. The story, yeah. of, by the way, the story that I read about that, you also had a line. I've seen more flags on the field today than at the U.N. Did you? <laughs> and that, that is that is that is the line I used. That's uh, a wise I, ass. That's I, a wise I, ass. I think that's the one that kind of uh, broke the camel's back and the refs were like, well, we're not going to stand for this because my day job is more worthwhile than listening to this. I know it's kids sitting there telling me how to do my job. Yeah, that was the line. That was it. But I, Good but I think it reeks. I think it reeks a little bit of the DNA, which we haven't mentioned yet, that you are the grandson of the one and only Howard Cosell. And that certainly sounds like something that would have come from your grandfather at some point in, time yeah. in his career. Uh, let's talk about the influence he had on you and how long were you able to enjoy him in, in your life? Uh, I, I had him for nearly 16 years of my life. Um, he was, I mean, obviously wildly influential. My first experience with uh, doing an air check and talking to a microphone was when I was five years old, when he was uh, doing his air check with, uh, with ABC radio and uh, his producer, Eddie allowed me to put on the headphones, do my first air check. And I was hooked, but you know, I grew up in, it was a very bizarre kind of dichotomy because for nine or 10 months of the year, you know, it was this middle-class upbringing. And then, uh, you know, during the summer, we'd go out to my grandfather's beach house in the Hamptons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then there'd be like pro athletes and actors and musicians like swinging by the house and that was normal. So <laughs> I didn't really put two and two together that, you know, Papa was a big deal. I just knew he was famous. Um, so I didn't turn to him for advice or anything. I just, knew I wanted to do what he did, not knowing that it was huge. And well, that was a, a wake up call later on. Uh, Colin, I wanted to ask you, where did you go to college? And did you know you wanted to go into broadcast? I did. I knew I wanted to go for communications. Um, the problem being, I was a terrible high school student. My interests were uh, anywhere else but in the books. Uh, shout out to Howie Rose. And uh, <laughs> so it was, um, you know, thank goodness I, I tested well. So I did well on my SATs and ACTs. But I ended up going to SUNY New Paltz because I also have an affinity for theater. And that was another outlet for me since there were no real broadcasting gigs in middle school and high school. Uh, so I did a lot of musical theater and they had a great theater program as well and a great radio station. So so I ended up at New Paltz. I was there for two years, uh, then got a, an internship with Saturday Night Live uh, that I couldn't turn down. So I transferred wow. over to Purchase. I uh, already had my prereqs set. And uh, so became a commuter student from Stanford, Connecticut to Purchase College and then taking the train two to four days a week uh, down to the city for SNL. I want to go yeah. forward in time a little bit to something that was going on during the pandemic. It's something that you did 
that I think is really special and unique. And I want to know what, you know, where that inspiration came from. You started recording personal announcements for, you know, medical workers, first responders. And, you know, what triggered that? Where, where was that? Where was the impetus for that initially? And it seems like it, t- it took off for a time frame for you, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I did a little project called Call Me Up, Colin. Uh, I did it originally in 2018, and the impetus for it was I I wanted to be in the good graces of the fans, and I wanted to interact with them more. I didn't want to just be some disembodied voice yelling at them for three hours at a time during ball games. <laughs> uh, and I also wanted to smooth things out because, you know, coming in in 2018, and I'm sure Matasol can attest to this as well, uh, coming off the heels of Alex Anthony uh, being there for 17 years, you know, the, the fans were kind of up in arms about it. And they were like, oh, great. So we're bringing on two PA announcers, but you can't get a good middle relief pitcher, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it was a, a rough road, but I wanted to let them know that, you know, I didn't just want to be that voice. I wanted to have a relationship with them. So I put it out there. Hey, if you'd like a nice little cheap, uh, and by that, I mean, free Christmas gift, I'll announce your family member who's a big Mets fan. Give me their name, their number, their jersey number, and the walk-up song they'd have and the position they'd play. And I'll record it the way I do it in the ballpark. <laughs> so I did that for, it was supposed to be 10 lucky fans or whatever, uh, 60 or so got back to me. And so I recorded all of them um, oh, after yeah. the fact, why not? And so when the pandemic struck in mid uh, March of 2020, I figured, you know what, this is a better, what better time than now to uh, have this opportunity for me to bring the ballpark to them. And also it was cathartic for me because it was, you know, keeping me fresh and announcing these names like oh. it would be at the ballpark. Um, but for the fans, it was bringing the ballpark home for them. And then I realized more and more that the frontline workers, the teachers, the kids who had their uh, their years upended by this pandemic, those are the ones I was going to focus on. But anyone who requested one got one. And um, oh. three months later, there had been over 20 1200 recorded. Wow. That's amazing. I just wanted to get to other things that you're doing also. So you're involved with the New York Riptide, which is a Long Island lacrosse team. What's your involvement with them? Uh, same thing with the Mets, but uh, with absolutely uh, no holds barred. Uh, I'm the public address mm-hmm. announcer for them, but in the National Lacrosse League, all the PA announcers are encouraged to talk throughout the entire game, do some play-by-play, uh, give wow. you know, and antagonize the opposition. That is a huge <laughs> part of the job. So I'm really? literally, I get to incorporate my background. I did stand-up comedy for a number of years, my 20s and, and 30s. Uh, so I, I get to be a, a wise ass again, um, nice. but professionally. Uh, so I antagonize. I do a bit of play-by-play. Obviously, PA announcing every time there's a goal scored. Uh, I go out. I grab a wireless mic, go out and fraternize with the crowd, get the crowd going, start chants and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> it is it is wild. So if you've never been to a New York Riptide game, right. I strongly suggest you go because it is a party and I get to host. And and then at the very end, uh, there's a lacrosse game going on. Where do they play the games? Where's the home uh, at Nassau Coliseum? At the Coliseum we are, yeah, we're the number one show in town there now. So yeah, really. Uh, the, you know the New Jersey, the the Brooklyn Nets G League team is out of there, but uh, we're the only true pro team there. So you've got concerts in the Riptide, and uh, we're just as entertaining. One quick question about: I was watching the game. I'm going the other way back to, back to baseball again, and I saw the scenario where you know somebody in the on deck circle looks like it's going to be a pinch hitter. And of course, that could trigger a pitching change on the other side. They were talking, it was the Braves and Mets and the Braves, the guy just got up in the bullpen. I don't remember who it was. Now for you, when do you get this? Because once the pinch hitter is announced, that sort of forces the manager on the other team to either make that move or not in terms of changing the pitcher. When are you directed and and what influences that? What steers you as to when you say now pinch hitting for so-and-so? 
So we've got uh, Matasol and I have um, we have a spotter who joins us. His his name is uh, Nick Buffardi, and Nick is uh, Matty calls him the ninja uh, because he will definitely maneuver and be able to pick up on every subtle nuance of the game. So he'll be able to see if there uh, someone's coming up to hit who would who wouldn't be you know shouldn't be hitting. So that'd be pinch hitter, uh, pinch running, uh, who's warming up in the bullpen, what the matchup would be and why, what to keep an eye on. Uh, mm. He keeps us honest and. Mm. Um, so without Nick, we uh, we're floundering and run the risk of bringing the wrong player. Once we do identify that there is a pinch hitter coming in, we have to wait until the umpire waves up at us. Then the ball player is officially in the game by the umpire standards, but is not officially officially into the game until he's announced into the game. So <laughs> we have to get the uh, we see who's coming up there. We have to wait for the signal from the ump ump waves. We announce now. If the ump is not paying attention uh, for some reason, once the the pinch hitter comes in and touches the dirt of the the batter's box, then we announce the the oh. ball player without uh, the ump. So uh, that's why we were all all PA announcers were on call during the uh, the truncated season with no fans in the stands. We became essential workers because the player's not in until we announce him as such. So let's talk a little pennant race. Things are heating up. We're getting deeper into it. And the, the Mets are still in it, which as a Met fan is always, you know, in August, you go, wow, this is something special. This is like almost yeah. Christmas already. Uh, so the anticipation is there. What are your thoughts and feeling what you're seeing so far? At least let's go through the National League East first. I mean, you know, the the Mets are, are built uh, to be a playoff team and to be a World Series contender. I mean, obviously, when Steve Cohen came in, you now have the wealthiest owner in baseball who also just happens to be a diehard fan. And I think an important part of his legacy will be bringing a championship home to his beloved New York Mets. Mm -hmm. um, you take a look at the signing of Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, from my understanding, had zero interest in signing with the Mets. Money talks. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. staying with L.A. would have made more sense for him because he's got a house out there like he, you know, he plants himself out on the West Coast. So obviously um, the money spoke to him and what Steve Cohen is trying to build here spoke to him as well. So obviously the offseason acquisitions and role players and people who are going to come in who have an all-star pedigree, your Mark Hanna's, your uh, Eduardo Escobar was, mm -hmm. you know, the lone all-star to come out of uh, Arizona. Um, and, you know, obviously bringing in a Starling Marte, who the, the Mets have been after for years, had kept their eye on him and with good reason. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've seen what he's been able to do in right field. So, it's it's been really exciting to see how the team started out the gate and has not looked back and it feels different. You know, uh, the other night we were getting crushed by the Braves. Taiwan had a bad outing. We were down eight, nothing. And it was like, well, this is all for naught. but last year. Yeah. The years prior, the team would have rolled right over, but they started clawing back. And that's what's different about this team. They have a lot of fight in them. They have a lot of come from behind wins they've got a stellar group to do it as long as everyone stays healthy. So it's a very different vibe this year, obviously with Buck at the helm, you've got years of experience. Uh, the guys are having fun, but it's not too loosey goosey. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's there to have a good time and to have each other's backs. Um, but it, it's just got a very different feel this year. And it's really, really exciting. Absolutely. When you were a kid growing up, who did you root for? Who was the player that you loved? 
you know, for me, the first championship that I witnessed as a child was the 1986 Miracle Mets. You know, the, the that that championship was the first one I saw happen in New York. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was seven years old at the time, and it was like, this is awesome. So they were such a, a wide cast of characters. It was hard, you know, it's hard to choose each day who, who you're going to root for. Um and, you know, for, for me, it was more about who was bringing the championship home to New York. Uh, as long as it wasn't the New York Islanders, I didn't care. Uh, but, the, uh, <laughs> but the New York Mets, you know, that that team was just so much fun. And so uh, for me, you know, for that team, it was Straw. It was Doc. Um, it was Keith. Uh, you know, even the Ron Darlings of the world were too boring, you know, like you wanted someone who was like super exciting and, and was going to push the envelope. So, uh, yeah. that, you know, it was, it was tough to choose with that. That, that, squad. that was a, that was a spunky team, but you know, it's, it's funny because my first world championship as a Mets fan, I was seven years old. However, it was 1969. Uh, <laughs> and that, that was truly the miracle Mets. And, you know, that, that was a team that went from almost next to last place. I think the year before to winning a championship, but that's, that's kind of the history of being a Met fan. It's always, it's like expecting the unexpected to happen. Uh, when you least expect something good to happen, that's when they seem to rise from the ashes sometimes. But I was talking to Rick before, and I walked out of that stadium last night after that game. I've been a Met fan for over 50 years now. And I said to my son, this is, it, this is a year it, it can definitely happen. Certainly a World Series. It just feels like this team knows how to win. They're not the greatest probably collection they have a pretty damn good collection of talent but maybe not the greatest team they've ever had but they know how to win and they don't quit they just they don't believe in quitting or or rolling over as you said no and what's what's great is you're seeing this you know we we did this against the Yankees in game 1 of the the uh, subway series at city field the Yankees erupted for back-to-back home runs for two players I won't name because they're on the Yankees and then the you know all of a sudden you're like oh this this is going to be a problem well, then the Mets came back and scored four runs in the bottom of the first inning, but they did it with power and they did it with smarts. They played small ball and they played hardball. And that was something that was really impressive. And that dynamic will, that means the world uh, to, you know, to any team that's trying to be successful because you never know what kind of pitcher you're going to get. You, you never know if you're going to be facing a Verlander or if you're going to be facing anyone on that that serious uh, L.A. Dodgers team. Oh, yeah. You know, sad. so it's going to have to be small ball sometimes. I've seen mm-hmm. two suicide squeezes executed perfectly by the New York Mets <laughs> this year. No, I no. forgot bunting even existed, but the right. suicide squeeze was like, oh, that's yeah. still a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. twice this season. And it has produced runs when needed. So mm-hmm. listen, they may not have the team on paper that you think is going to win it all, but neither did the Washington Nationals oh, when please. they won a couple right. of years ago. Right. You know, I, all it takes is getting hot at the right time. I think the Mets have the starting pitching, obviously. They've got starters that can work in middle relief and vice versa mm-hmm. this year. And mm-hmm. they now have a proper platoon in DH, which is going to work. I mean, it's already paid back dividends where J.D. Davis and Dom Smith were not doing that for the Mets. So this team is dynamic. They're hungry. They're built to win right now. It's about getting hot at the right time and staying healthy. I'm curious to know, uh, as the grandchild of the incredible Howard Cosell, and I'm not going to do my imitation, though I would love to, but I would love to hear yours because I know it's pretty good. But I'd be interested to know if your grandfather were alive, looking at the contracts of major league athletes right now, what would he say? This is an abomination. How are they (laughs) spending this much money on talent that won't last more than four years? They get to the age of 32, and then 
It's a steep downward spiral. Why spend a hundred million on someone who won't give you a hundred games? <laughs> I think that's exactly <laughs> what he would say. And I would hello tell. again, everyone. That, you know, that was great. Thank you it, very much. And it's your grandfather. Not only was a sportscaster, he became such a huge celebrity. And one of my favorite sitcoms of all time was The Odd Couple with Jack Klugman and Tony oh, Randall. Yeah. And there's oh. an episode in there. And at one point, I don't remember, there was, I guess, Oscar offended uh, your grandfather with a news article about him. Right, right, right. And then, you know, Felix comes back in the booth during a Monday night football game. And then your grandfather finally turns and says, get this inane drone out of here. And Oscar, <laughs> and Oscar goes, what's an inane drone? And it's like, a dull bee. <laughs> but only your grandfather would. It was like perfectly scripted. I'm sure it was written for him, but maybe he wrote it himself. I don't know. But I, it was, you know. He, he did have a, he, he actually was a very funny man, um, yeah. Howard, uh, believe it or not. Also a huge uh, musical theater enthusiast, loved thinking, really? singing show tunes uh, terribly, but he would sing show no. tunes around the, uh, the house. Um, but uh, Probably damn Yankees. I, he he was a fan, uh, whatever Lola wants. Um, he loved West Side Story. When you, you take a look at at the the odd couple, like there's three things that people bring up when it comes to my grandfather. It's down goes Frazier. Right. It's uh, the announcement of uh, John Lennon's assassination. Mm -hmm. And it's right. the odd couple. And the odd couple comes up a lot more than you'd ever imagine. That's interesting. Um, and they say, they're like, what was that quote? Where you know Oscar's making fun of him uh, for having this uh, this oh, yes. nasal twang, right? And, and I was like, oh, you know what? When, when Howard turns back and goes, that annoying nasal twang <laughs> is the single most identifiable voice in all of sports broadcasting. <laughs> That's oh my that's goodness. classic. That's so I, that's I'm sure so that was not scripted. I'm pretty sure he would have come up with that off. I'm sure he said that before in, in real life. Absolutely. No. And I was it was interesting because I was watching an old interview on, believe it or not, the Joan River show for as long as that had lasted. And I, I guess he had just written a book and they got into talking about boxing. Now, obviously, he's also associated heavily with Muhammad Ali and his career and you know, really making that whole thing into such a dynamic between the two of them all the time. At the end, as he was talking more about boxing, he really got very upset where the boxing world was going and how many boxers were actually permanently you know, injured, if not some lost their lives. And he was very adamant in this particular interview. Do you remember any of that, hearing any of that from him when you were growing up? Yeah, the book was uh, I never played the game. Right. And mm -hmm. he, um, yeah, he basically tore the, the sport apart. I mean, you know, at this point, he was also um, beyond jaded. You know, he, mm. he had just he had had it because he had reached the top. Everyone was trying to drag him down. And listen, it's not like he wasn't a prickly pear. You know, it's not <laughs> like he was just a warm, fuzzy teddy bear. There are equal uh, stories about my grandfather being an absolute schmuck to someone mm. as, you know, him being the kindest person on earth. Bob Costas, who I consider to be a friend now, will openly say the the you know the first time he met Howard my grandfather called him the child and uh you know it's just like oh the boy wanted the child Costas. here he comes to, he's as concerned about the infield fly rule as he is about whatever you know like and Very now Costas thinks it's funny he kind of thinks it's uh you know if anything it's it's it ingratiated him into uh in, into the sports broadcasting world so for that for that sake you know it was it was a tough time for my grandfather to be writing that book because he was also jaded with Monday Night Football had been right. accused of being racist for using the the little monkey line mm -hmm. with Alvin right. Garrett right. um and even though Alvin Garrett said I'm just happy Howard Cosell knows my name uh you know <laughs> it, 
And we're talking about a man who championed the black athlete, you know, with right. Jackie Robinson right. and Muhammad Ali and stood by them through thick and through thin. So he'd, he'd had enough, you know, at that point. Yeah. But with boxing, he saw where it was going. He saw the Don Kings coming into the world. He saw the Mike Tysons coming and mm -hmm. taking the, the art of pugilism out of it and adding the street fighter aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And he didn't want any part of it. And he also didn't want it to be a spectacle for these gladiators to get completely eviscerated in the, the boxing ring. When these are men who want to live their lives post boxing. And my grandfather saw that and had 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 more than enough of it. Can I tell my Howard Cosell story now? Because of I'm course. To tell it. <laughs> it was great. I was an intern. It was nice. 1981, 77 WABC radio in New York. And your grandfather used to come in and record on the eighth floor at 1330 Avenue of the Americas every afternoon speaking, speaking of sports with how it goes south. And I remember during the 81 World Series, which was the Yankees against the Dodgers. Uh, and I walked in as a young college kid intern seeing Howard Cosell being blown away that I was so close to this <laughs> star and I thought I would make conversation with him before he went into record. So I said, M -m 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 Mr. Cosell, <laughs> did you get to watch the Yankee Dodger game last night, the World Series game? And he looked at me and he said, son, I don't give a damn who wins. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quaking in my boots thinking, holy shit, what did I just do? I just pissed off Howard Coast. Like, I know, really. <laughs> but I have remember, I mean, think of that. That's 41 years ago. And I still remember it to this day as a great story. And my only real experience I had with your grandfather. Well, keeping in mind that during the 77 World Series, you had my grandfather completely losing his mind on live television with each of Reggie Jackson's three home oh, runs. Right. Right. I mean, he just he dissolved from like the sports broadcaster who was delivering it with the, you know, that you expect out of Howard Cosell. And then all of a sudden he just became a regular fan. Oh my God. Oh, he's standing right. on the other broadcasters. <laughs> they were just no regard for human life. And, oh, there it goes. And he's just losing it. And everyone's like, you know, just let him go. But, um, you know, yeah, but those are the iconic moments with him because you were used to a certain level that he would always follow. And, you know, obviously very articulate, brilliant man, a wordsmith, uh, indeed one of the best probably ever in broadcasting, especially in the, in the sports industry. But yeah, when he would finally just become a, a regular, like cross that line and become a regular person, seeing a phenomenal sporting event and expressing it, I think that really always jumped out. And that's, that sounds about right. You probably caught him on a bad day uh, because <laughs> he he did care. I mean, like, mm -hmm. look, he at the end of the day, he was a diehard sports fan. He always had been. He was a lawyer until he was 38, and his dream was right. to become a sports broadcaster. At that point, most lawyers are starting to think about retirement and putting retirement funds. And instead, <laughs> he turned to my grandmother and said, I want to change my career completely. Um, and it was completely unheard of. And right. And lo and behold, he did it. But, you know, look, I the way I look at my grandfather's sports fans, it was Labor Day weekend, 1991 or 92. My grandmother had already passed away. We're at his uh, uh, summer house in West Hampton Beach. I was swimming in the pool. The Yankees game was on and my grandfather was watching. And I'm just swimming around doing my thing. I'm 12 years old, whatever. And my grandfather comes out and goes, Son, you've got to come in here right away. And I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> right. I swear to you, gentlemen, I levitated out of that pool. I dried off as quick as I could. I could not get like, Pop, is everything okay? What's going on? You've got to come see this. Oh, what is happening right now? 
There's a one-armed pitcher for the New York Yankees about to get a no-hitter. You just have got to see this. And so, oh, my God. God. So we go in there and watch uh, Jim Abbott get a no-hitter. And my grandfather loved that because it was a true underdog story. It was a no-hitter. And lo and behold, there it was. There was a a man with one arm pitching a no-hitter for the New York Yankees. And the Yankees sucked at that point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so it was a really exciting uh, thing. And my grandfather, he didn't, he was, he was dear friends with Fred Wilpon. He was dear friends with George Steinbrenner. He didn't have any allegiance except for the Brooklyn Dodgers when they had Jackie Robinson, when they left, they were just them bums. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. for, for my grandfather, it was all about the story, more about the team. No, absolutely. You can see that throughout his career, he always followed that. Now back to you in terms of that, uh, how about play by play? Would you ever be interested in it or I did it. I did it for, uh, for years. I was with a small network in the tri-state area called, uh, MSG varsity. So we covered, uh, high school sports in the tri-state area. Um, that's where a gentleman named Marty Ehrlich gave me my start. Uh, started off as sideline reporter, made my way into, uh, color commentary and then, uh, play by play some anchoring and stuff like that. He really let me cut my teeth in the industry. Uh, so I did that for, uh, about a decade, uh, and I then became the, the lead play-by-play guy for uh, high school hockey for uh, Verizon Fios One Sports. I believe you won an Emmy Award, didn't you? Or at least one. I uh, I won three when I was with Varsity. Um, That's what I thought. That yeah. was me riding the coattails of people far more talented than me. I just happened <laughs> to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, I was a mere narrator for a program, but they can't take those trophies away from That's me. Right. So there's that. <laughs> there's no, they right. can't. So in terms of moving forward, I mean, you're still – you know, especially compared to us, you're, you're, you're a puppy. You're, you're still wet behind the ears, even though you're not, obviously you're very seasoned, but do you see anything down the road for you that you would really love to do that sort of that golden ring that's still out there uh, that you haven't quite achieved yet? Um, Honestly, my number one goal as a PA announcer, I would love Hmm. to call a game for the New York Rangers. Um, I know, uh, you know, uh, Joe, Joe, who's in there right now is, um, is phenomenal. And actually I've, I've learned so much from he- hearing him through osmosis, the way I announced Jacob deGrom, uh, people are like, you know, you sound like the Rangers announcer when he announces <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist. And I'm like, hmm. my God, you're right. Um, but so the, as a PA announcer, that, that's, that would be huge for me. I would love to also be the, the VOG for award ceremonies, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, where I'm at right now, um, being able to announce the Mets during the warmer months and the riptide during the cooler months, and then anything that pops up along the way. Uh, and then my day job, which I love doing as well, which is going to sound boring, but I'm a professional moderator and live event host no, uh, okay. for a, a corporate B2B company that does stuff globally with Fortune 500 companies. I, I love every step of what I'm doing. Um, do I want to bring in as much income as possible? Yeah, because now I'm 42 and thinking about retirement uh, somewhere down the line when I'm 90. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it, the sky's the limit, basically. But yeah, a, a big award ceremony is the VOG and, and a New York Rangers game as a PA announcer. Interestingly, you and I have shared, I mean, you could be my kid because we have shared such similar paths as I was saying to Chris before, because I was a goalie when I was in high school. I did stand-up comedy. I was a PA announcer at Shea Stadium when there was a Shea Stadium. You know, the stand-up comedy stuff still serves me on a daily basis in coping with life, which is basically what we all have really had to learn how to do in the last few years, especially going through the pandemic and whatnot. Do you and your wife have kids or... 
uh, we have uh, two dogs, and uh, that was kind of our litmus test for having kids. <laughs> and you know uh, what? So far, they so don't good. have to go. They don't. So have far, to go so to good. College. <laughs> no, no, college. no, they they don't. Um, we'll again, you know, I'm all about crossing that road when we get to it. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's only so much preparation you can do. Right. Uh, and of course, that's when I'll take on every possible PA gig uh, to, to get <laughs> cool. But uh, but hey, they're both still alive. We got our dog Bagel uh, uh, exactly a month before the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. uh, and he's he looks amazing. He's healthy. He's strong. So uh, we're doing something right. right. So absolutely, um, you know, kids next. Quick question on just before we wrap it up, just some interesting things in my head that are floating around. Like, do you have a moment as a PA announcer so far? What was like the most embarrassing or you felt the most embarrassed by either flubbing a name or what was it? What, what Good happened? question, by the way. That is. Um, so my third game ever for the New York Mets was it was Tuesday, June 5th, 2018 against the Baltimore Orioles, 110 first pitch. And uh, <laughs> Eric Rickard comes up to bat. I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. Now, mind you, uh, one of my best friends had gotten the gig as the PA announcer for the Baltimore Orioles five years before I landed with the Mets. The, the chances of wow. two best friends becoming PA announcers in Major League Baseball Crazy. <laughs> is insane. So, of course, I leaned on him heavily for uh, stuff, including pronunciations. Well, I misread the phonetics that he wrote out. So I called him Eric Ricard, kind of like Jean-Luc Picard uh, right. of Star Trek Next Generation. Didn't Made realize it, player. thought I nailed it. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, and all of a sudden, my boss just showed up out of nowhere. He's just like, what'd you just call him? Oh, I was like, uh, Ricard. He's like, it's uh -huh. Rickard. Uh, it's like, oh my God, I was mortified, ruined my day. Mm -hmm. Never again would that happen. And I have not. I now, I will meticulously go through every player's name and make sure I get the pronunciation correct. Yeah. Um, other, other than that, my voice cracked when I announced Pete Alonso uh, last season, I think it was early in the <laughs> season. And the way I was saying it, like my voice was tired. I used my voice a lot. I try to mm -hmm. take very good care of it, but sometimes it's going to crack. Right. And uh, Pete Alonso, it did. And people on Twitter, uh, friends of mine who happen to be at the game, they're like, you all right there, Bobby Brady? You're going through puberty again? <laughs> and it's time to change. Exactly. Alonso. Like it's yeah. Pete Alonso. Like, <laughs> whatever. So I sound like Snagglepuss. Leave me alone. Right. It's fine. You had said something on uh, when you were on our show uh, on Picks the other day about you <laughs> kind of emphasizing names differently or mumbling certain names that you really don't want to have to say you kind of have your own little subtle way that you sometimes play with it maybe got into a little trouble because of that what, what was that story uh well basically i was you know i wanted to give the home team like that oomph that gusto that you know the first baseman pete alonzo and it's mm -hmm. like yes i love him he's awesome <laughs> uh, but for the opposing team you know it'd be like the left fielder uh, Jose Bautista, you know, and just kind of be like this, <laughs> whatever, even though, right. <laughs> right, whatever. Even though yeah. me as a baseball fan, I'm like, I'm announcing Joey bats. Like this is crazy. <laughs> um, and then he became a Met for a minute too, which was kind of weird, but yeah. so how has been Lidge treating you pretty good? It sounds Fine. that's, you know what? These are the best years of my life so far. I got, I got married at 37 dream job at 38 and it just keeps building at 42. So uh, Good. I just, you know, I just hope my my health stays in check and we start popping out healthy kids and paychecks keep coming in. And, <laughs> you know, we'll check back in in 10 years and I'll be like yeah. in my own house from the Hamptons recording my own spot for 770 radio. And, uh, and don't forget your friends. I'll be, PA, I'll be able to PA from home as well. What's that, Chris? I said, don't forget your friends, Rick and Chris, when you get that house in the Hamptons. Please, guess who will be sitting on the deck next to me? Gentlemen, remember that podcast we did? Yeah, right. <laughs> that 
back in yeah, the day. Yeah, Chris, can Chris, can you go get me another beer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll get that for you, Mr. Colin. Uh, anyway, I just want to say thanks so much. You've taken a lot of yeah, really. time out of your day, and we really appreciate it. I now, when I go to a game, I certainly between Marisol and you, I'm 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 paying much more attention to the PA announcer, and it seems like we're on a good roll uh, with the Mets this year. And I hope to hear you at a World Series game, which would be absolutely awesome i still have yet to experience the playoffs Montesol doesn't either we have no idea what we're going to do when the playoffs hit like wait who's going to announce what are we doing mm. it's like uh i don't i don't know because on opening and closing day uh opening day specifically we split those games oh, uh okay. Madi, Madi will do the pregame and i'll do the in game mm -hmm. um so i'm not sure if that's what we're going to do but uh listen the team came to an exist into existence 60 years ago this year what better way to celebrate 60 years than with the world series am i right uh, it yeah. works for me. That's for sure. I'm running out of time here. I need to see another world championship. I don't have as many years as you do. So, uh, but Colin, thanks so much again. And uh, I'll see you around soon. All right. You take care of yourself. Stay well. Will do. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It's been okay. a pleasure. LGM. Have a great day. Well, Colin has a lot of stories and an amazing background. And obviously, an, I, you know. What an interesting dude. He really is an interesting guy. I'm so glad that we had a chance to meet him. And I thank you really for putting it together. Well, when Howard Cosell is in your DNA, you you know <laughs> you're going to be an interesting individual, I would tend I to think. But the stories were great. The imitations were great. And uh, he's just a great guest. And and it's it's nice to see people enjoying and doing what they really dreamed of doing with their lives. And, yeah. uh, you know, and such a such a great career is still ahead, I think, for this guy. This is he's just beginning to hit his stride, really. Yeah, I mean, he's he's early on in middle age. What did he say? He's 42? He's 42, yeah. Yeah, it's his summer of 42. How it's about baby. that? This is a yeah. baby. Come on know, already. Really. Yeah. In any event, uh, Colin, thanks so much. And uh, we've got some other things percolating, Mr. Summers. You've got to, you're yeah. rounding up the guests. You're like a yeah. you're like just searching the you're shaking the bushes, as they say. <laughs> shaking the bushes and see what falls out. Yeah. She wrote a book called With No Regrets. Getting older, face it, live it, love it. Her name is Jane Goldman. And uh, we're going to talk with her, uh, if not next week, sometime shortly thereafter. But she's really interesting writing this book about what it's like for all of us getting older. I mean, I'm not so sure she wrote it for middle-aged warriors, but it's certainly applicable as I read the book. Hey, I've read a bunch of books this summer. Can you believe it? Apparently, yeah. You, you know, you gave me a couple, and I'm, I'm starting. I get up to page fifteen, and then I fall asleep. So it's not because okay. the book is boring, because I'm reading in bed. And when you have to get up at two a.m. in the morning, it just doesn't jive so well. But I've yeah. got to get, I've got to improve my reading skills, my focus, my discipline, like you. But uh, it sounds like a, that sounds like an interesting read. And look, the bottom line is <laughs> we're not escaping it. None of us do getting older. And I guess ways of handling that and coping and managing and anybody who could tell their story and hopefully, you know, give us give us the tools to get through it in a better way, in a brighter way. Um, I'm all I, about I that. I love the way she subtitled the book, Getting Older, Face It, Live It, <laughs> Love It. Yeah. You have to no, embrace the reality of it, and, yeah. and that's where we are. All right, this middle-aged warrior is checking out for the time being, just temporary. I'm not yes. checking out yet. I don't plan on it, at least. Uh, but I want to say thanks for listening, and sunshine always. Be good, feel good. He is Chris Amino. Still, so far. I am still Rick Summers, and we thank you. Be good, feel good. Have a great day wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And thanks again for stopping by. 
middle-aged warriors. We really appreciate it. And of course, once again, this show brought to you by Bet Online. Yay! Yay! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.